one, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we discuss those picks on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and today my guest is Jackie Kleberg. Jackie, tell us who you are and a little bit about you. I am a photographer, and I'm also a student, and I'm running my own, well, trying to run my own business of event planning. I'm also a mother to Jackson, and I'm also your wife. (laughs) That is true. Always kind of nice when I have an in-house guest. Yep. So why are movies important to you? I think that they have a lot of impact in my life. Um, I tend to like get really into the movie and try to relate to the movie as much as I can. I think that those are normally the ones that like I like the most, the ones that I can relate to. Um, they just either let me escape my reality. They make me feel like I'm not alone, you know. And that kind of segues right into the top five list that you chose for this week. Um, what is the topic that you want to discuss here on air? So it's five movies that influenced me. Was it easy for you to come up with your five? No, my memory is horrible. I don't know if I'm like missing some, but these are the first five that came to my mind. Um, I might have some that are like more influential in my life that I just can't remember. But these are the ones that like came to my mind when I was thinking about this topic. Awesome. I'm looking forward to getting into that. But before we get to the list, let's talk about what we have been watching. So I know we both have a couple things that we have been watching. Well, we watched one together, and that's Ford versus Ferrari, or Ford v. Ferrari. Kind of an awkward title. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. You see it? I think so. Most people can't. Carol Shelby, maybe? The Coke, Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What well, in about speed? We need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. Yeah, I actually didn't understand the title at all because I didn't know anything about the movie until we actually watched it. So Ford v. Ferrari is a story about Carroll Shelby and driver Ken Miles. So Carroll Shelby's a he was a car designer and Ken Miles was a British car driver. And the goal is for they work for Ford and they want to take Ferrari down at the 24 hour Le Mans in 1966 so um what did you think about ford v ferrari i loved it at first when i realized that it was like a two-hour movie i wasn't excited about it at all but the entire time i was like totally hooked um i'm not really into cars so it actually taught me a lot because i don't know anything about like racing or anything like that so 
it was actually really interesting to see like how much work and effort goes into all these things and it was it was pretty cool to see all that stuff yeah i liked it a lot too the performances i thought were amazing the car action was killer and it sounded great uh and to me it was interesting that you know it's set up as ford versus ferrari but in the end it's it's almost kind of like ford versus ford because you the main antagonist is the corporate machine that's interfering with what needs to happen to win which i thought was kind of interesting yes i actually was thinking kind of the same thing of the movie kind of makes you think that like america is like it's it's its own bad guy because of it because at first it's trying to do like Italy versus like America and like how they have like these differences and stuff but then you see that you know Ford has its own differences within Ford so it was pretty cool to see that too yeah so I thought it was really good uh James Mangold directed it uh he's the same director that did Logan super talented director the cast is amazing Matt Damon's really great Christian Bale John Bernthal and Josh Lucas as Leo BB kind of the main antagonist as you get into things based on a true story and yeah i really like this one too what else have you been watching i've been re-watching fresh prince of bel-air actually did you grow up watching fresh prince or is this kind of your first run through so i grew up watching it but like i said earlier my memory is horrible so I actually don't remember a lot of it because I would just watch it like when it came like on Nick at night so it wasn't like a continuous like oh this is what happened yesterday like it keeps going on it was like a random episode so I never knew like what episode I was watching or anything so this is the first time I actually get to watch it like from beginning to end and I'm actually on the last episode today and you can find that on HBO Max um How's your experience watching it now? I think I didn't, I definitely didn't get a lot of the references when I was younger because it talks about like some serious Ta- like topics. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm like serious topics and issues that, I mean, when I was a kid, I never even knew it existed. Like they talk about like racism, they talk about um, drug abuse, they talk about like absent parents they like all of these like violence all of these things feminism and climate change and it's just so cool to be able to see that and understand that even back then when like these shows are targeted to like kids and like teenagers like they're already going to like such deep issues and I honestly think it's a, a really funny show with serious topics and I actually really liked it yeah, they do ta- tackle a lot of the hard-hitting stuff, and I didn't realize watching it with you that it was so meta. Like, it did a lot of interesting things, like breaking the fourth wall. Uh, there's a scene, like, where Carlton, he runs into the audience. <laughs> yeah, I really like that part. <laughs> In the last season, they actually even do, like, a blooper episode, which we were just watching last night, where it's, like, the entire yeah. episode is just s- dedicated to hey, we're just actors, and here's what we've done that's funny. Like, it's so weird. 
Yeah, I was telling you about that. that I've never seen that in any show. Like, I've seen, like, the blooper stuff that they do, like, on the extra stuff, but I've never actually seen it where it's, like, part of the actual, like, regular programming where they just do a bloopers show. It was it was really weird, but it was cool that they that they did that. Cool. Um I have one other thing I've been watching and that was a movie from 1990 called Blood Games. I have been pushed around my whole life by lousy men and I am sick of it. I say that we just give them a little taste of their own medicine right now. Yeah, you feel that's what you have to do. I know you've never heard of before. Uh, Blood Games was a pickup from Vinegar Syndrome. And you walked out at one point while I was watching it. And what was your first impression of what you saw on screen? So I I walk in the room and the first thing I see, it's like these girls that are like half naked in these little like skimpy outfits. And I was like, what are you watching? And he tells me, oh, it's a movie about softball or that they play softball. I was like, they do not look like they play softball. (laughs) Well, even in the movie, they clearly cannot play baseball. The story is you have this team of traveling softball players called Babe and the Ball Girls. And I don't know why, but they travel for they said that they paid a thousand dollars to get this team out here to play a game of baseball against these hicks in the middle of nowhere. And things go sideways because of a bet on the game. And afterwards, where the girls just want to leave town, the hicks decide that they don't want these ladies to leave town at all. So that's kind of uh, where it comes from. It's less horror movie and more of a kind of a wilderness survival movie in the same vein as uh, Deliverance. Mm. The Australian title is actually better than Blood Games. The Australian title is Baseball Bimbos in Hillbilly Hell. That's just rude. I mean, they did look like they couldn't even walk, so I don't know how they actually played baseball or softball. But yeah, I did not like my first impression of that movie. <laughs> so there are there are actually some redeeming qualities that... I think Pete, I think we're uh, forward thinking for 1990 for a 1990 exploitation movie. Um, the females are actually portrayed as really strong women. Um, when they shoot guns, they're not shooting guns all over the place. They are pretty good shots. They don't waste a lot of bullets. They take the fight to the Hicks. Um, and at no time do they appear to be weak. That's good. Yeah, and it's also got, and I didn't know this until after I watched it, but it's got a female director. Tanya Rosenberg directed it. I thought that was pretty interesting. There's, it's not a good movie. It's the the direction is a little bit lacking. Uh, the rednecks are particularly inept. They they really can't do anything correct. They can't play baseball well. They can't track game. They can't shoot. Watching it, I honestly can't believe that they've survived this long just on planet Earth. But. Um, that's kind of what we're dealing with with Blood Games. If you want to check out Blood Games, Vinegar Syndrome has a really good disc out now. Yeah, overall, I'd say not a great movie, but a pretty good representation of um, 
a strong female. There is some rape elements in there. So if that's a trigger for you, that's probably something you're going to want to avoid. Definitely made me uncomfortable at points. Uh, cool. That's Blood Games. What else have you been watching? I've been watching Dave. I actually, we just finished it. Dave is a show on Hulu. For those who don't know anything about Dave, what is Dave about? <laughs> so it's about this rapper called Lil Dicky. And it's just pretty much shows like his journey of becoming a rapper. And it's actually pretty funny. It's really about a rapper who believes in himself to the fullest extent. And it's a comedy in the same vein as almost like a Seinfeld or a Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, and, and to me, the character Dave is like a really well-intentioned kind of logical dude. That's kind of how I would describe Dave. He's like kind of sweet and he doesn't he doesn't do things maliciously. He just gets into trouble because he's oblivious, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think like he's he's very relatable because he's very like down to earth, and like all the little things that he does is just like a very casual everyday thing that I think anyone would be able to do, I guess. Um, yeah, and I I do agree that it's more like something like that you would be able to see in. Seinfeld today I guess it's a really funny show um, but it also has really poignant moments like uh, there's one particular episode that deals with his hype man named Gata and his battle with depression which I thought was really well acted and I never expected that when I started watching Dave I would get to an episode that made me tear up but that episode did yeah I cried <laughs> There's also a gag, and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a gag with a table that <laughs> happened. It comes back in a couple of episodes, and it's the hardest that I've laughed at a TV show in a very, <laughs> yeah. very long time. So funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's Dave, and that is watchable on Hulu. It's 10 episodes, and the episodes are like 30 minutes apiece. So go check Dave out. All right, so let's get to the list. Your five list, again, five movies that influenced you. So when you were thinking about this list, um, did you put your list in any kind of order? Or is it just kind of random? No, it's just random. Like I said, my memory, memory is like horrible. So whatever just came to my mind, I just put down. Cool. And then in terms of what you thought about, was it more about you as a person or movies that influenced like career choices? What, what kind of influence did you look at? I think a little bit of everything because a lot of these movies did take me to what I wanted my career to look like, even though I didn't even know at the time. But yeah, a little bit of everything. For my list, I, I wanted to try and keep the influence of movies on me out of it, but I just couldn't because movies are such a big part of who I am. So um, the way I kind of thought about the list is I do have a couple on here that influenced like my screenwriting and my, my filmmaking stuff, but I also have some that influenced just kind of my ideals throughout when I was growing up. 
Did you have a a decade that is on your list more than others, like '90s movies or whatever? Yeah. So actually, I didn't even realize that until I looked up to see when they came out because I I'm like almost a hundred percent sure that I did not watch any of these when they first came out. Uh, but they're all. 99 98 97 <laughs> so um, yeah so definitely uh a time a specific time period there yeah mine are all uh all 90s except for one which was the year 2000 so i also have like a 10 year span there with all these movies that influenced me yeah cool let's get into it i will start with my number five and i think the way i will split it up is I'll kind of do um, like a movie-related one and then a personal-related one, and I'll bounce back and forth there. So my first one is from my favorite director of all time. It's a movie called Reservoir Dogs from 1992. Put the gun down! your names, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool-sounding name. Let's go to work. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. What happens if the manager won't give you the diamonds? Cut off one of his fingers. The little one. I feel scared in case I fall off the chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. If they hadn't done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. From Quentin Tarantino. And Reservoir Dogs inspired me to want to write. And it inspired me to want to write natural dialogue. So Reservoir Dogs is, I'm sure everybody's heard of Reservoir Dogs, but it's the story of a jewelry heist that went wrong. But the cool thing about Reservoir Dogs is you don't really see the jewelry heist. You just kind of see the aftermath and the surviving criminals who are suspecting that one of them is a police informant. I, I actually, the very first short that I ever wrote, directed, and reluctantly starred in was kind of a direct ripoff of the climax of Reservoir Dogs. And I don't know if I've ever talked to you about my ripoff of Reservoir Dogs. It was called <laughs> Bad Luck, Guns, and Diamonds. Did I ever tell you about this? No, I don't think so. So Bad Luck, Guns, and Diamonds was my first entry into a film festival, which it did not get selected. Surprise, surprise, because it was <laughs> awful. At the end of Reservoir Dogs, there's a, a standoff of sorts. And my short was the standoff version, but instead of a, um, well, no, it was a diamond heist that went wrong, but there's a, a hostage there. And it was me a girl that I used to work with was playing the hostage and her boyfriend was playing another antagonist with me. And I didn't want to be in it, but the person who was supposed to be the actor uh, didn't show up. So I threw a mask on and I played this part and uh, it was, it was pretty bad, but yeah, it reservoir dogs did influence me to the point where I directly ripped it off and uh, yeah, nothing ever happened with that, but it was kind of a fun memory. Um, ever since that movie though, it's kind of informed the way that I write dialogue where it's less like a movie and just more like people talking, which I, I always thought came right back to Mr. Tarantino. So that's my number five, Reservoir Dogs. So my number five is Selena. 
which is about a movie about Selena Quintanilla and talks about her life and how she got to be famous and her life and how she passed away. So when I was a kid, I when I was watching this movie, like her childhood was almost exactly like mine. So she looked like me. She had this huge family and like her dad was really into like oldies and there was just like so much that like mirrored my life. So because she was like so huge and being able to see someone that looked like me like on screen like on and it's not like one of the like Hispanic Mexican like TV shows like just really meant a lot to me. So when I was growing up, I always thought that if I wanted to be someone important, I needed to be a singer too. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, like this is this is what I have to be, like if I wanna be someone. So I remember from there like I would put on these little shows for my family. And I would sing, and I remember my brother telling me, like, like you need to stop because you sing horribly. <laughs> so I guess, like, that's when I realized that I didn't, like, that wasn't my passion because, one, I was very shy, and, two, like, obviously I didn't know how to sing. But just, like, her entire movie was such an inspiration to me as a, like, Mexican little girl um, to be able to to see how how someone that pretty much came from from nothing was able to be like so big and I remember there's this one scene in in the movie where her dad is talking to her about how when you're a Mexican-American you need to be perfect in like both languages and like both cultures you need to know like who Vicente Fernandez is who like like all these, I can't even remember what they are right now, and how, like, you needed to know, like, who Elvis Presley was, and it's so true, because when I used to go to Mexico, like, my, my family would tease me because I didn't know how to speak Spanish correctly, or because, like, they would talk about these Mexican actors, or, like, Mexican, like, culture and stuff, and I had no idea what that was, but then when I came back home, they did the same thing about, like, American culture. Like, I didn't know a lot about, like, actually, like, any type of, like, pop culture um, besides what I watched, like, on MTV or whatever until I got married you because of that. Like, there's so much that we need to know that there's a lot of things that, like, just get lost and you get judged by that. So I really, like, that, that scene stuck with me for so long because it's so true. I, I didn't have an experience watching Selena before I met you. Um, how did, so Jennifer Lopez plays Selena. Did she do a good job as her? Honestly, I think she did. Because, like, I knew Selena, like, growing up and stuff. But as I grew older and I kind of forgot what Selena actually looked like, like, to me, because I watched that movie so many times, to me, the image of, like, Jennifer Lopez being Selena was what stuck with me for so long until I actually got older and realized that those were just actors. Um, because for the longest time, I actually thought that, like, 
that's what they look like. So I actually think that she did a great job. I remember reading about um, her dad, like actual Alexander's dad, not being able to watch the movie or like when she was like performing and stuff because she did such an amazing job like playing her that it was just too hard for him to to see her do that because they just look so similar and she just did such a great job. Got it. That's uh, Selena from 1997. Um, just came out on Blu-ray like two months ago. I did not realize that it came out on Blu-ray. Guess it's time for us to buy it. Yeah, Warner Archives put out a disc, so it came out in May. Cool. My number four is Goodwill Hunting from 1997. Goodwill Hunting is, to me, it's one of the best written movies that I've ever seen. Uh, screenplay by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Uh, but there's there are a couple things that have always stuck with me from Goodwill Hunting. The story is about a person named Will Hunting, played by Matt Damon, and he's a janitor at MIT, and he's a really, really gifted mathematician, but he needs help from a psychologist to find direction in his life, and the psychologist is played by Robin Williams in one of my favorite roles of his. Uh, there's a couple things about this movie that influenced me. First off, Ben Affleck has a speech to... Will Hunting, in which he talks about wasted potential. And it, it is your responsibility to use the gifts that you have, because if you don't, it's like letting other people around you down. And in his words, he says, you know, any of these guys, including me, would kill to have what you have. And to see you waste it, it's you're letting us down. Um, so I thought that was really poignant. There's another good interaction between Will Hunting and his therapist, Sean, uh, the character played by Robin Williams, where he talks about, you know, you can learn a lot from books, but experiences have to be experienced to really understand them. And you never really know what's going on with somebody unless you ask and are able to use empathy to really walk in that person's shoes. And that's something that's always stuck with me. Uh, there's a really good five-minute speech from Robin Williams about, uh, you know, you, you can't tell anything about somebody by one piece of art in their house. And I, I thought that was really cool. Like, we see people do things every day and we judge them because that's human nature, but we don't know what's going on with that person. We don't know what, what has led them to that point. And until we make the effort to understand what brought them to that point, we shouldn't be imposing our judgments, uh, although that is, like I said, human nature. So Goodwill Hunting from 1997, that's my number four. So my number four would be Stepmom. Ben, come on, honey. Get up, get up, get up. Woo! You do your best to raise the children. Anna, you forgot to wash my shirt. I told you a hundred times, today is purple shirt day at school. You do your best to care for them. Come on, Dan. Oh, but no matter how much you love them, Come on, ben, please. you'll never measure up Mommy! to their mother. Mm, I think I can handle it from here, Isabel. This holiday season... But she remember your lunch? Ah. TriStar Pictures presents 
three short years since I divorced Lucas, seen a number of women. For the past year, I've now, seen one woman after a lot of thought, careful kids, to dis He's living with a woman half his age. Isabel's not half my age. Julia Roberts. Your kids keep on hating me. Oh, come on, don't say that. They don't hate you. Wow! Anna, what do you think? Well, it kind of smells like you, and I'm allergic to you, too. Academy Award winner Susan Sarandon. I think Isabel's pretty. Yeah. She like big teeth. <laughs> Ed Harris. You think it's easy for Jackie to watch her kids being looked after by a woman who's no experience being a mother? You want to take a 12-year-old girl to a Pearl Jam concert on a school night? Just thought it would be something nice that she and I could do together. It's ridiculous. Of course Jackie's going to be hostile, irrational. Pearl Jam? Yeah. On a school night? Mm -hmm. We are going out. Oh, Mom! Isn't my mom the coolest? <laughs> With Julia Roberts? It's a movie about this terminally ill woman that deals with her ex-husband's new lover, which is Julia Roberts, and how they're dealing with, like, Julia Roberts becoming the stepmom to the kids. So, I watched this movie probably when I was, like, 15 or so, probably even before that. But this movie actually made me want to be a photographer because when I first watched this movie, like, her job amazed me. Like, I think, like, the things that she was able to do, like, the, one of, like, the first scenes of her going into work is how she just, like, comes in and, like, take charge of the room and just start snapping even without like the actual like original plan and she was like oh I'm so creative and this and this and that and to me that was like such a cool thing because I had no idea what I wanted to be when I was growing up like there's a lot of people that already know like since they were really young like oh this is what I want and I still don't even know if that's what I wanted or not but I just remember that like she had such a cool job and then, like, throughout the whole movie, she has, like, these little, like, photo sessions that she just turned this, like, fairy tale kind of thing um, into, like, pictures. And I just thought that was so cool. And then at the end, that's probably what actually made me want to be a photographer, where she takes these pictures of like the kids and blows them up into these like cardboard um like little life-size um pictures of of the kids when the mom comes back from like chemo or something and the emotions that they have like looking at these pictures was just like so moving to me that I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to be able to create something that has some type of emotion for someone else. And I think it was just so cool that she was able to, like, capture these little, I mean, because they were just so simple, like, parts of their life that the mom missed because she was in chemo that just, like, meant so much to her. And I would want to be able to be a part of that. And I think actually, like, photography has been able to let me do that so yeah stepmom actually besides making me uh, a fan of 
Ain't No Mountain High Enough, because that was the first time I, I listened to that song. It was on that movie, which is now one of my favorite songs, but it made me want to be a photographer. I don't think you knew that either. I did not know that. Yeah. Very cool. That's Stepmom from 1998, I believe. Mm-hmm. My number three is from 1994. It's a little movie called Clerks. Didn't. Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. <laughs> You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. So I worked at this video store that was connected to a grocery store, just like in Clerks, which is the video store was connected to a convenience store. So I had friends that worked on the grocery side and they would come over and uh, one of these people came over. Her name is Becky and she was picking up Clerks to rent and she asked me what I thought of it and I told her I had not seen it and she's like, this movie's amazing. You got to come watch it. So I went, I watched it and... Not only was it really funny, but after I started learning about the director, um, it became even more important to me. It was just like kind of in the show, Dave, you have this director, Kevin Smith, who really believed in himself enough to max out like thousands of dollars on his credit cards because he was putting all his eggs in this one basket. And he, you know, he borrowed money. He, I think he even had his parents take out like a second mortgage on their house to make this thing. And it was a success for him. It's really, it's a a story about Dante who is not even supposed to be at work and his adventures throughout that day. Clerks inspired me to the point where the first TV pilot that I ever shot was again, kind of inspired by Clerks, and it was called Clarks. Clarks, of course, was the name of the store. Um, you know my TV pilot, Clarks. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's my Telly Award winner. Uh, I won a bronze Telly Award for the writing and directing on that one in 2005. Which I think it's actually really cool, by the way. Not good. It is not a good TV pilot, but it was fun making it. You know, Clerks was was filmed at Kevin Smith's convenience store where he worked, and mine took place in an electronics store, which I worked in at the time. And I uh, I asked my boss if I could film it there, and of course they said no. You know, they're type of a, a big corporate machine. So I went to my best friend who worked at a Comp USA, and they also said no. And then a week later, they filed for bankruptcy, and the store manager at the Comp USA said, "You know what? Who cares? Screw it." film whatever you want so we went in one night at like 10 o'clock at night after everybody was out at the store and we filmed until three or four in the morning and uh yeah we didn't have a lot of time to set dress so you see just all these clearance closing signs in the background but it's just something we had to deal with um 
But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how Clerks influenced me, um, not only in the ways of filmmaking, but also in the ways about how you think about those loved ones who contribute in a meaningful way. Um, and you have to kind of forget about uh, the past or, you know, not not forget, but just realize that that's what made them who they are. 1994 Clerks, that was my number three. So my number three is Pleasantville. So it's about a, like two siblings, like these teenage siblings that are living in the 90s that get sucked into a 1950s sitcom where everything is black and white, super like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, it's something like that. Super like really wholesome and really um, everything's everything's perfect. not only black and white in colors, but it's black and white in all aspects. Yeah, this movie was actually one of it was actually probably the first movie where I got to experience like what racism was, I guess, mm, because I never. Like, my parents really didn't talk about it or or anything like that or in school. Like, I thankfully never actually had to experience anything because when I watched it, I was, like, probably, like, 10. So it was actually a very eye-opening movie to me because it was the first time. Like, I remember watching with my dad, and I remember him having to, like, explain to me a couple of things because... There, I remember there's a sign, like, almost at the end where, like, everything's just going, like, wrong, I guess. And, like, a lot of shops and a lot of, like, places are, like, closing their doors to people that don't look like them. And I remember specifically the sign that said no, no colors or no colored folks yep. or something like that. So mm-hmm. no I, colors. yeah, so I remember like my dad talking to me about, about that after the movie. Cause I was like, like, I understood that they were referring to the people there, but then my dad explained to me like how that is actually like something that's actually happening in real life. So it was like the first time that my dad and I actually had like a serious conversation about something that was like, like happening in in like real life so it just made me see a lot of issues in a different way and like just opened my eyes to things that I didn't even know existed so I think it was a a very powerful movie um at my age at that time and we actually watched it not that long ago and I think that even right now it's such a relatable movie that I can't believe that it's been so long and it's still like happening now which is really sad yeah still relevant today and uh soon i may be putting up a youtube video around that so that movie is also one of the reasons why i started liking the 50s so much oh what was it about that that 50s scene that drew you in because you know how like at first it's like oh this is like all how it's supposed to be and things like that like i it just it just seemed like a fairy tale. Like the 50s just seemed like such a like cute 
like era and I really like the way that they were dressed and nostalgia of it maybe yeah the music the cars yeah that part I just really liked and it was one of the movies that I that I first saw that in that's a great pick that's uh Pleasantville is a great movie and um yeah it's something that everybody can still learn from today like you said yeah I agree on to my number two Going to 1993, and uh, this one is a little bit more serious for me. This is a movie that has always stuck with me and was one of just a couple of VHS tapes that we owned at the time, so I've seen this a ton of times. Mrs. Doubtfire. This is my second Robin Williams movie on the list. It's the story of a couple who is divorced and... Robin Williams plays the the male in the relationship. He disguises himself as a female housekeeper in order to spend time with his kids uh, because his wife has custody. And it is, it's really funny, but it's also really poignant. And it's always stuck with me how Robin Williams, as a father, would do anything that he could to see his kids. And I think that that's how a father should be. There's a really great scene in a courtroom where Robin Williams' character says, "If I can't see them every day. It's like someone saying I can't have air. I can't live without air, and I can't live without them, uh, which I always thought was really great. And now I understand it being a father myself. Uh, and then Mrs. Doubtfire is one of those movies where things don't turn out perfectly, but... Uh, just because the parents don't love each other anymore doesn't mean they don't love you as a kid. And I, I always thought that was, as somebody coming from a house with divorced parents, that was really powerful for me. So Mrs. Doubtfire has always stuck with me. That's from 1993, directed by Chris Columbus, based on a novel by Anne Fine. So my number two is Life is Beautiful. Miramax Home Entertainment is proud to present an extraordinary new movie. Winner of three Academy Awards. Best Actor, Best Foreign Film, and Best Original Score. Meet a real-life Prince Charming. He has met the woman of his dreams, and he'll do everything in his power to sweep her off her feet and carry her away. Now, his fairy tale life takes a serious turn. To protect his family, this loving father has to turn the hard truth into a simple game. Great so, movie. Yes, great movie. This is actually probably one of my favorite movies ever. Um, this movie is the reason why I fell in love with Italy. So Life is Beautiful is about this Jewish librarian that him and his son become victims of the Holocaust. And he uses like humor and imagination to protect his son from the dangers around the, the, the camp. So besides the part of the Holocaust, because I, when I think of Life is Beautiful, I, I feel like it has like two parts. They have the, this very romantic, funny, just like a romantic comedy, 
from like one part of the movie and then the second part is the one that comes to like the realistic part of the sad part of life I guess which is the holocaust part so the first part was one of my favorite parts of any movie because it's just like full of magic and and I think that when I think of Italy it just reminds me of like this movie because it's just so romantic and it has like all these little tiny things from the movie that he uses to make I forgot her name like fall in love with him um so one of the things is like like she like the the thing that he makes the thing that I remember the most of this movie is when he calls her like principessa which is princess and that's how like he greets her throughout the whole movie even when they're in the camp so I just one I think that the romantic part that like the couple have it's just so incredible but then when they do move to the holocaust like this guy is just such an amazing still husband and dad because they have like to go through like this really hard life and he just doesn't lose that magic that he has and I think that that was like incredible but yeah this movie was was very like moving to me um because again like most of the things that I've learned because I went from like Mexico to here and like I wasn't really taught about the Holocaust at any of the schools that I went to and this is one of the the movies that pretty much like exposed me to the Holocaust is this the is this the film that made you want to visit Italy yeah well this is the reason why I started taking Italian Oh, cool. Yeah. Life is Beautiful from 1997. It's a really great movie. You introduced me to it. I had not seen it before you made me watch it. And oh, really? Yep. This one, best foreign language film at the Oscars that year and best actor as well. Yeah, he's a. I think that he did such a great job in that movie. But yeah, this is the reason why uh, I'm still waiting to go to Italy. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Great pick. My number one is from the year 2000. This is the latest movie on my list. It's High Fidelity. My store is called Championship Vinyl. I can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. Rob Gordon has a successful business and a dedicated following. I used to go to the double door to hear you spin. You were unbelievable. But when it comes to dating... Hi. Hi. Is this Penny Hardwood? Hi, Caroline. He's still searching. Are you in or out, Rob? I'm sorry? Are you in or out, Rob? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. For the right woman. What's your name? Laura! Now his search may have ended, <laughs> but his problems just started. And I like you with Laura. I don't think much of this Ian guy. 
High Fidelity is such a good movie from director St Stephen Frears. Uh, it's about a record store owner named Rob Gordon, and he goes through his breakups while he's working at this record store. It's got Jack Black in one of my favorite roles of his. But themes here that I think had stuck with me for a long time, I had a fear of commitment until I met you. Um, <laughs> and this movie, you know, it talks about his relationships and that fear of commitment. It f talks about taste elitism. So there's, you know, a as a person who talks movies with people both on this show and just in general, there's a ton of taste elitism where, you know, there's even a scene in High Fidelity where uh, Rob says to Jack Black's character, Barry, like, what did that guy ever do to you? He says something like, oh, he offended me with his terrible taste. Um, and that's that's kind of something that <laughs> the, the character of Barry and the way he operates in that store is both awesome to me and horrifying because it's how I wish to be as it's how I wished to be as an employee who ran a music store at one point. And uh, it's also who I was horrified that my other employees would be. Um, and I should have, I should have said that too. I did run a music department at a store for a while. And so this, this really did influence how I sold to people as well. Um, going back and looking at clips from this, I see when you have, Barry and you have the other employee Dick and they're selling to people it's exactly how I used to sell well I didn't sell records I sold CDs but it's exactly how I would sell CDs and then when I was selling movies same thing it's really cool to see that and then of course the most obvious is that a big theme in High Fidelity is that Rob and his co-workers make top five lists they make <laughs> top five lists every single day and this is what I used to do when I was working in the music stores, you know, top five, uh, top five West Coast rap songs go. And we would just talk about that stuff. Um, top five Hitman movies go. And that's kind of where this show was born. So um, High Fidelity totally influenced who I was. And I didn't realize how much like, when I when I looked it up, it was really um, for the top five list thing. But there's so much more in there watching that movie again that has influenced who I am and uh, how I look at uh, just reviewing things and how I sold things. It's just, it's kind of ingrained in me. That's high fidelity from the year 2000. And it's a movie you need to see because you're going to love the music in there. Yeah. I remember you told me that. On to your number one with a bullet. <laughs> so my number one is 10 Things I Hate About You. I knew this was going to be your number one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why? Actually, I, I thought it was going to be between either this or The Lion King. Oh, why The Lion King? Because Lion King's got a, really, a lot of good themes about, like, you know, you can't run away from your problems or it's got the Hakuna Matata phrase, you know? Yeah, I do love that part. Um, but yes, 10 Things I Hate About You is my number one. So, 10 Things I Hate About You is about a pretty popular teenager that can't go out that can't go out on a date until her ill-tempered older sister does. 
so I relate to this movie in so many ways because I wanted to be like Kat. I wanted to be like this independent, like feminist, like doesn't care about what anyone thinks and just like does her own thing. And growing up, I wasn't allowed to do anything really. My dad, like, I was not allowed to go out with any boys. I wasn't allowed to, like, do sleepovers, parties, like, nothing. So, and I think that my older brother actually saw me like Kat saw her sister. Um, like, this pretty, like, preppy girl that's just, like, into her looks or whatever, which I didn't see myself like that at all. Um, but I just thought, I, I just think that, like, Hats had, like, this, like, awesome personality that I still try to, to have and, and to be like her just because she does what she wants and doesn't really care about what anyone else thinks. And I remember, like, one of her, one of her things that she's talking to Patrick is the character, um, and is talking about like the expectations that people have for her and she just says that she sets the bar really low just so she doesn't disappoint anyone um so I just I just related with that stuff so that movie just made me want to be like this badass girl that just didn't care about what anyone else thought but herself so I thought that was pretty cool and definitely made me um look like into like feminist movements and things like that because again I learned what feminist what a feminist was from that movie so does that make me Heath Ledger if you're a cat (laughs) well I'm not saying that I am her I'm saying that I want to be like her so um, they're still definitely need to be smarter than what I am right now. So <laughs> that uh, movie's got a great cast too: Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in there, Larissa Olenek. Good cast. Mm-hmm. Great movie too. It is from 1999. Hey, that was an awesome five list. Thank you so much for coming on with me. I had a really good time. I love coming on to you. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to do like I do for everybody else. I'm going to roll out that red carpet. Um, you have anything you want to plug? Like what should people check out? It can be something of your work. It could be something you just think is cool. What should people take a look at? So I'll do a couple things. So on Instagram, people do have Instagram. Um, you can find my work at Jackie Kleberg Photo for my photography and storybook event planning for my event planning. And also, you can also go to Feminist on Instagram to check out more feminist, feminist um, posts and more information about how you can you know, help with the movement. That's storybook event planning on Instagram. Check out the party planning stuff. Jackie Kleberg photo. 
Uh, that's the photography stuff. She's really talented in both. I don't say this just as her husband, but just as a human being, really, really talented and worth a look. So jump on there, follow her there, and then follow Feminist on Instagram to get more up to date on that movement and why that's important. Remember, anybody can be on this show. If you want to jump on and be a guest with me, hit me up on email. That's uh, force5podcast at gmail.com. Or check out the website, force5.net, and uh, we'll get you on as a guest. All you got to do is have a five list. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight. And she come at the same time. <laughs> Force 5.